Welcome to the Strength, Love, and Healing Podcast. Grab a cup of coffee, find a nice place to sit, and join us while we listen to authors who strive to help others heal through love while building strength. Hi, welcome to Strength, Love, and Healing. Today, I have Kimberly Wilson. She is a certified alcohol and drug counselor and a certified peer support specialist. She also has 15 years of experience in the government and nonprofit sector, and she actually started an e-commerce store called the Mental Health Influencer. It is an amazing store that sells that is, has a lot of meaning behind it. So thank you so much for joining us, Kimberly. Thank you for having me, Angie. Well, I'm so glad to have you as well. So you are a creative director for the Mental Health Influencer Movement. Can you just share about the movement and what drove you to start it? Absolutely. Um, so the Mental Health Influencer Movement, it's a movement of people who use their social media platform to speak about the stigmas that's often associated with mental health and substance use disorder, um, depression, anxiety. And we refer to those people as bellwethers. And then I know a lot of times people might think because it's a bellwether is a sheep, but a bellwether is also a leader. And so that's what kind of started the whole mental health influencer movement. And so you've been working as an alcohol and drug counselor. How long have you been doing that? And what brought you to begin doing that? Well, First of all, um, I'm actually in long-term recovery. I've been sober for a little over six years from an alcohol addiction. And, and I won't get too much into my story unless you want me to. But that that's what drove that. My experiences, my journey, and everything that I've gone through um, and my recovery journey, the, the trials and the triumphs, that's what drove me to um, creating a mental health influencer. Ideally, I'd like to, I'd love to change how the world sees and understands behavioral health. Um, and I think that that can be best achieved through education, intervention, and prevention. So, yeah, that store, a lot of the designs in the store actually come from my, my life's experiences. Um, for example, my sobriety is a flex. Me, ideally, and I, I would love for people, I want for people to be able to live out loud as they are in recovery and no longer be ashamed of it. And so that's where some of these out loud phrases on the shirts come from. And I know this may sound weird, but my intention behind it all is either to spark conversation or to make someone uncomfortable. And so if they are uncomfortable, then I think that that's when we need to pause and look at ourselves and do some self-reflection and do some work and figure out like what what is this about? And, and, and in thinking in that way, I think that we can shift the paradigm on how we see um, mental health. I find that interesting that you mentioned that you're hoping that people feel uncomfortable. And I think that's very important that people feel uncomfortable because that's what's going to spark change. So I know you had mentioned that the two things that you really wanted the store to create is both education and having honest conversation. How do you feel this foundation will help with that? Well, the, the messaging, the, the messaging, particularly the, the 988, you know, that's the number that you call for if you're having a mental health crisis. Tomorrow needs you. That is one of the campaigns for this, one of my suicide campaigns. There's another shirt that I have that says check on and it has your strong friends and strong friends is crossed out and it's check on everyone. And so I feel like with with that kind of messaging, it's important that we have that kind of messaging so people can be engaged people can't because at the end of the day what i've learned in my experiences is that we're all connected in some way if you're not going through a recovery journey whether it's addiction it could be something else that maybe not be 
public facing. You know, someone who drinks alcohol, you can see that they are drunk, but it could be something else that's happening that we cannot see. And for me, I think a lot of the messaging in the store, it can connect with more people than not. I think that, you know, it's very important that you mention that, that it's not always something that you can see. For instance, you gave the example, you can see an alcoholic, but the, (laughs) yeah, the alcoholism though is not actually the problem. That's just a symptom of the problem. And I think that's why, you know, technically the actual problem is completely invisible. You just happen to see one of the symptoms. That was one of the shirts that really stuck out to me was 9AA, Tomorrow Needs You, just because I have a lot of loved ones who have actually committed suicide and succeeded, and some that have attempted, but fortunately are still with us today. So I, I really think that one's very powerful. So you've also started many other shirts that create that you want to start creating conversations. I wanted to talk about what some of these say. One of them that made me really pause was change requires change. What are you hoping this message communicates to the community? Um, you know, for me, it's more about if you see something that's not okay, you're having some type of moral conflict or um, your moral compass is being challenged. It's about like, if you want things to shift, you have to shift your thinking. You have to shift if you want to make it, wherever it is that you're trying to get to. If I'm trying to be the best basketball player I can be, I'm going to either, either I'm going to sit down and do nothing and do all the things that will not make you a great athlete, or I'm going to change from what I was doing, change the behaviors, and then focus on uh, becoming a better basketball player. I don't know if that's a good analogy, but yeah, if you want to see things different, then you have to, you have to be that change. And that's the only way that it works. And if you want to, if you want policies, if you don't like policies and you can't sit at home and, and do nothing, you have to get out there and lobby for it. If you have issues with I was going to say not policy. It was another one that I was going to mention. And if you don't, here's another example. You don't ask questions, right? Because sometimes people are uncomfortable asking questions. And what mental health is, it's about having that, that conversation. And sometimes you need to ask, how will the person know if they don't ask this question? And that in itself can be get change. So that's one of the um, shirts that I think that can touch home for a lot of people. Yeah, I think also, you know, you said causing people to feel uncomfortable. A lot of people feel uncomfortable when people are honest about their struggles with their mental health or with substance abuse. It makes people uncomfortable because they can see some of themselves in that. And so I think it's very good to normalize that. One of your shirts that really struck home to me, and I am a Christian and I go to church, is... It says prayer plus therapy can coexist. And I know that that was kind of a message that I got kind of, which is kind of funny because then when I really struggled, they're like, well, maybe you need a therapist. But before that, there was a lot of resistance to this idea Mm -hmm. that you can just pray it away. You can just, what inspired that one? And what are your thoughts on the prayer plus therapy can coexist? Yeah, um, I grew up um in a baptist church i would say grown up baptist and you know we were at church often um and i still i think the two things can coexist and i do see things shifting in our communities but it was one of those things where it was so it was kind of like shameful to speak about it or one of these things you need to push through 
or you need to pray and that will fix it. But there's science behind this stuff. And so it's the two things can exist. I don't want people to think who, who have grown up in the church and who are kind of having that conflict is that these two things can it can be they can be in the same room. A therapist, I know plenty of therapists who go to church and who are leaders um, in their community. And so for me, it became a challenge is because I was ashamed. Um, when I first was introduced to taking medication, I was so against it because I remember growing up, my family members would say things like, oh, they're, you know, they're down at their that crazy hospital or they're, um, they're taking those crazy people's meds. And so when you hear that kind of language and conversation, when you find yourself struggling, you don't really know who to go to. And so you have that piece of it. Um, and then you have the other piece that's a layer that they don't really understand it. And they're not trying to understand it because they're so fixated on this one thing. And for me, at least in my experience, it has served to be quite reckless and really dangerous for me is because I I fell under that stigma. That was a stigma that I was because stigma just doesn't affect it affects a person going through it. Because now you're like, who who can I talk to? This is not working. I mean, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. And then there were things like you committed a sin, you'd be burning in hell eternally. And so all of that kind of messaging is in my head. And I was just I this young, I don't want to burn in hell for the rest of my life, that kind of thing. And so for me in my journey, um, I do realize that both can coexist. Um, I also think that religion for me is fluid. It doesn't have to be just one thing. I always talk about one of my um, friends and she'll probably laugh when she hears this. She is a black lesbian woman who is a Buddhist, but she gets a Christmas tree for the holidays. And so for me, it's like, you know what I mean? It's, it can be fluid. You know, we don't have to just be kind of locked into one thing because for me, religion is like a way of living. So whether it's the good book, the Holy Quran, a self-help book, they all require work as far as living is concerned. You're still going to have to put in the work and you're still going to need a therapist. You know what I mean? If you get to a, that juncture in life where you feel like that's needed. And I just don't want the people who maybe out there experience what experiencing what I experienced experience to not move forward with getting the help and the support and the resources that are so readily available out there for those who are having these type of barriers in life. That kind of brings it to one of the shirts that I, I also really liked. I said, education over stigma. And, you know, there is that stigma within the churches and within religion, all religions, really. But I also liked how you mentioned, because growing up, I remember there's a name, uh, a mental hospital. It just had so many bad connotations that people would kind of joke about it. And so as an adult, I ended up needing to use their services for foster children, for my, you know, different things. Mm -hmm. And realizing that that stigma that was actually a very beautiful place that had a lot of good to it yes 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 and what other stigmas have you noticed aside from like the religious ones um you often hear people say that addiction isn't really a good thing it's, a, it's not it's not really a thing it's a choice you hear people say that it is a moral failing which really kind of, you know, that that stings um, and hearing things like that. Um, 
you hear things like, yeah, the, the main thing for me was that it's a choice. Drunk people, maybe they're people who have these addictions. They're not smart people. Um, they're bad people. The devil has gotten a hold of them. That type of um, language and rhetoric, it is, yeah, those are the, and then you like once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, there's that language. Uh, some of the, even within some of the support groups, it's like those, that language, I mean, it's very key. Instead of saying Kimberly has an addiction, Kimberly has substance use disorder. Um, instead of saying somebody had a dirty urine, they have dirty urine, you would say that the person tested positive for substance use. It's just in that, that language. And it's, you know, it seems very small, but it shifts it just a little bit because to where you're looking at a person as a human being. And when you hear people who think that um, it's a moral failure, I think it, it takes the humanization out of it. And there's other stigma for people who are on opioids. There is medication for people who are on opioids, it's methadone, suboxone. And even within the recovery community, oddly enough, is that people think that um, those who are using methadone or suboxone, that they're still on drugs. There are people in the recovery community who believe that you should go cold turkey with everything. Just no meds, just go, you know, cold turkey. And for me, my message is to everyone, you don't get to tell people what their recovery looks like. You get to tell me how I need to live my life as far as recovery is concerned. Like who, wh what is, what is that about? And for me, and I understand the pharmacological piece, I have a best friend who um, works at Glaxo. And when you understand like how this medication thing may work, but here's the thing for me, either I'm going to take Lexapro or I'm not going to take Lexapro or be at a bar. So I'm going to choose the lesser two evils. I'm good on my Lexapro and that's just how we're going to be moving that forward. You know what I mean? And so for me, it's like, it's, you're supposed to be, the idea is to be able to live a manageable life. And so if whatever you're doing, as long as you're not breaking the law and it's healthy, you're showing up for yourself, you're showing up for your family, you're showing up for your kids, basketball games, that's what matters. And so then you have, like I said, that stigma with certain things. And so you have people who, there are even in the rooms, there are people who will not sponsor people who are on methadone or suboxone. And so since then, you know, there's Alcoholic Anonymous and there's Narcotics Anonymous. There's now AMARA. It's called Medica Medicated Assisted Recovery um, Anonymous because they couldn't find anyone that would sponsor them. And so can you, uh, the dangers of people falling into that, people end up relapsing, people start having, any, depending on the medication it is, if you stop cold turkey, it's some, some of these things you have to titrate down and the dangerous things that can come from someone who's feeling that shame. So, I mean, I can go on and on about the stigma, but that's my message. If what you're doing is working for you and you're able to show up and be the best person that you can possibly be in that day, then you move forward with your, you know what I mean? You, you do with what works and you don't need to tell people how to recover. So. What message would you like to give to those that are struggling with substance abuse or mental health disorder? Like if you could have just give them one piece of advice, what would you say to them? I would say that you're not alone. 
There are so many resources uh, available, and I have those resources. Those resources are actually on uh, my e-commerce store. But one of the main things I would like to let people know who you're not alone. There are a ton of resources out there. You just, if you can, you know, bring yourself to it. And everybody's bottom is different, but there are resources available. You're not like terminally uh, unique. You're not alone by yourself. Uh, and the other thing too, that I want to let people know too, uh, is just because you stop drinking or whatever your addiction is, it doesn't mean that life is going to be all rainbows and cheerleading toe touches and things like that. Life is still going to life. Things are still going to happen, but you get to learn how to, you know, work through these things as, as life goes on. You know what I mean? And it won't be easy. Every day is not going to be, but that's how normal people, normal and air quotes, like who has time to be normal when you can be not normal, but you know what I mean? And so I, I remember thinking like, oh my God, stop drinking. Everything's going to be great. And like, no, life is still going to life, but you get to figure out how, how all of this works. And that is one of the things I don't go to many of the um, AA or NA meetings often, you know, it's had to deconstruct some things, but I always give credit to the rooms for the, uh, the foundation of my recovery is because when I went into those rooms, because it was that thing, I'm the only one, I don't, I'm ashamed. And then I went into these rooms. I'm like, oh my God, there are people in here who have gone through this same thing. I can live out loud. What type of burden i felt like i could float and that i could identify with so many other stories and um identify with the pain and the you know the, the good things but the pain is like i don't have to be ashamed anymore you know and then you get to in one of the steps you get to talk about everything that you've ever gone through and you put it on paper and then you let it go right and you still have it's still going to come back to you but it's just the whole process of doing that and just not having to feel like you have to carry that burden along. So I'll always give the room credit for my foundation. And for the people who, you know, kind of back to what you said, if you, that would, I would encourage them to, you know, at least go to one, a meeting, meet, go to one of the meetings and see what they're about. Um, the first meeting is going to be different. It, it may be different, but there's a million more that you can go and try. Where do you envision your foundation in 10 years from now? Well, hopefully it's, uh, I'm hoping that um, I'd love to be doing different conventions. My main thing is, you know, just kind of getting out into the community and, and kind of boots to the ground and, and putting my hands on people. I just think that face-to-face -face, um, interaction is, is so important. So yeah, hopefully people will pick up on my, I think I'm thinking of like designs all the time that like people can wear and, and people can um, relate to. So hopefully it'll be like a, a not really a, a fixated e-commerce store, but hopefully it'll be a, a place where people would be happy to kind of provide support. How can others that want to help support your movement, how could they help support it? Well, you can, um, yeah, you can definitely support by checking out the website, making purchases. Uh, we got shirts, we have um, hoodies, we got sweatshirts, and I'm thinking about maybe adding some, uh, and we have mugs. I'm thinking about adding some other things like accessories. And if you're not able to purchase anything, um, I, we really want to start getting our followers up. So you can follow us on Instagram. And that's at mentalhealthinfluencer.io. But it's 
you can find the actual link on the website because if I explain it's mental underscore health underscore influencer underscore IO, but it'll be easier if we can put it maybe in like the link when you post the the show. But yeah, so follow us on social media. That will help us out tremendously. And I'm always open to advice, suggestions. Um, I'd love to start doing maybe not so much podcasts, but if people want to ask questions and then I could kind of just go on on a live and kind of talk about what it is, the questions that they were asked that they may be uncomfortable asking. And so, yeah, somewhere down that lane, but who knows? My next question was actually, where can we find your collection? And I'll make sure I put that in the show notes that people can, and also link to your Facebook page and all of that. But I also wanted to ask one more question. What about those who love someone struggling? What would you like to say to those people? Oh my goodness. I haven't been on that side of things, but I know I've, there are people who in my family who have been on that side. You need to be as clear and direct and as honest as you possibly can. You need to set boundaries. There were certain people who eventually had to like cut me out of their lives because I, at that point in my addiction, I was too toxic. You know what I mean? And, and one of the things that they say is like you're powerless over people, um, people, places and things that, that goes for the person who is in the addiction or in recovery. But it goes for the people who are also on the outside um, looking in. not to beat yourself up, but just, yeah, be honest, um, direct. And, you know, some situations you may have to set boundaries. You don't want to enable people and you want to make sure you don't confuse enabling with support right so that's my message be honest be direct and provide some level of support if possible and then you know you'll have to do you'll they'll have to you'll have to see where it is that they want to go but you cannot just enable people is your shirt one of them from your store that you're wearing right now yes this is maybe a bad one but it's sober af so sober <laughs> yeah it is one of the shirts sober yeah yeah see things are like that you know what i mean i want people to see it just like yeah i have one that says like clean and sober since 2017 you know it's a conversation piece and i'm proud to be sober seriously i'm so happy to be sober well congratulations on you said Thank it was you. six years yeah, six years. April 20th will be, just coming up, April 20th will be seven years. What's mm. very interesting about that is one of my good friends, her sober date is also April 20th. It would be eight years, I think, now. So nice. it'll be eight years was, in April, but it was April 20th. So, you know, and the 420 thing I always think is so, so this is 420 is like some, some for smoking marijuana or something yeah. like that. And I always tell people, like, it's my clean day is 420. I did not pick that out. <laughs> Just, it's how the day fell. It fell on that day. So, yeah. So, my friends, but hers, she kind of didn't have a choice right. as her date because, you know, she was arrested. So, yeah, listen, whatever it But that's, that's what took it. Yeah. And now she's and now she's been clean and she has her kids back and she right, is a yeah. wonderful mom. She's giving birth to a baby in like a couple of weeks. She is just thriving, right. just mm-hmm. doing amazing. But anyway, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And I encourage people to check out your store. It, it has a it. lot of really good 
messages for me. Um, I know like the suicide awareness is probably what hits home for me just because of family and Mm -hmm. those sort of things. But again, thank you very much. I really appreciate you being on here. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Strength, Love, and Healing podcast with authors Alcove. If you have written a book that could help others heal and would like to be a guest on our show, please go to theauthorsalcove.com to sign up. You can click on the podcast tab and click on Be a Guest. We always appreciate everyone who listens all the way to the end, especially if you could like, subscribe, and rate this particular podcast that would really help us be able to reach more people also our sister podcast authors alcove is over on spotify and apple podcast you can listen to that where we talk with a lot of different writers about their writing process and their current books again thank you very much hope you have a great day god bless